Hi, this is Jim Swilly. Welcome to Metron Live. Metron is a Greek word that means sphere of influence. I believe in living your best life possible, and that's the reason for this podcast. This is my Metron. Now let me help you discover yours. Welcome to Metron Live, the Metron Community Podcast coming to you from the Kirkwood community. Metron people, would you tell the podcast people we're glad to have them today? Welcome. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you as always, Charles. We appreciate you being uh, faithful to do this. I know I talk about this tech team a lot, but my grandmother Addie Mae said it's a poor rooster that won't crow for his own barnyard. So I am surrounded by excellence and I uh, never take it for granted. We're finishing up a, well, I think I'm finishing it up. I don't know. The power of God could fall in here so strong in the next few minutes. Y'all all be laid out on the floor. We got, we, 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 we have uh, modesty cloths under the, <laughs> under the chair in case y'all wore a dress this morning and fell out. Cover your legs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is interesting. On the way over here today, there's a, on, on Sirius Radio, they've got a, a like a Chris, Chris, Christian music station. They've got like an old school gospel station, but they've all, and, and I was listening to it. I couldn't believe how many of these songs I remember are tracks that I used to do. I'm singing along. Like I remember all the key changes of this and everything. And one thing I was, I was just curious about when I'm listening because all the songs were fine. I didn't have any, um, n- no axe to grind with any of the lyrics of these songs. They're just praise songs and worship songs and just talking about how good and faithful God is, how loving God is. God's always got you. And I'm, I'm just curious to know, do, do y'all believe in eternal punishment? Because it, I, like, I was thinking about this. I was, it's, it's crazy to think about this. But Ken always drives on Sundays, and I, I look. Well, I'm listening to. I looked over. I looked over at him driving. And I thought, what would it be like to be married to somebody or in a relationship with somebody who said, "I love you. I'm always going to be here for you. I'm going to take care of you. I just need to tell you, if you ever leave me, I'm going to blow your brains out." Wouldn't that kind of stay in the back of your mind a little bit? Like every time, every time they said, I love you, you'd be like, you're going to kill me. <laughs> and so I'm listening to these people singing all this affirmative things about how good God is. And I'm, I'm just, I would just love to know, what do y'all think about, you know, cause the, typically the Jesus you're talking about says, I love you. I would have died for you if you'd been the only person in the world, but if you ever leave me, I'm going to burn you forever. <laughs> it's just, it, it's such a, it's such a contradiction. But anyway, I was just glad to sing along with it, not analyze it so much. But, um, but I am this, uh, month we're talking about self-esteem. I'll go ahead and put the uh, title up there, please. The, um, where it says awesomely wonderfully made it's from a a translation of psalm 139 14 where in the king james it says i'm fearfully and wonderfully made and the reason i like to use a modern phraseology is fearfully in elizabethan english doesn't necessarily mean the way we think of fear when when uh in old english when they said something is fearful they it's the way we would say something is awesome uh, so, awesomely, wonderfully made, unlocking self-esteem by discovering the miracle of you. And I'm going to show you, I, uh, when I did this in the first part, I used these 
already used these two uh, uh, verses, but I want to use them again. This is Psalm 139.14 in the Tree of Life version. It's where he says, I praise you for I am awesomely, wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows that very well. And then the second uh, one, this is from The Voice translation, same passage, Psalm 139.14. It says, I will offer you my grateful heart for I am your unique creation filled with wonder and awe. You have approached even the smallest details with excellence. Your works are wonderful. I carry this knowledge deep within my soul. One of the translations we used a couple weeks ago said, I am something wonderfully complex. You made me want some really cool way that it states that. And I love looking at that diamond under the light and moving it around and seeing different uh, shades of meaning. Um, some of you, I did a couple of 11-11s this week, and uh, one of the nights I talked about, like, this is an example of knowing more about a word and being able to get the, the good, really get the good out of that word by understanding more of what it means. And I was talking about, um, I'm watching this series on TCM uh, by this guy who's a uh, professor of cin- uh, cinema. And fascinating um, series. But he was talking about how the power of a decision works into a plot line for a movie. And he just very casually said, he said, you know, decision comes from the same root word as scissors. And he did like that. And I, I was like, what? I didn't know that. So I'm Googling it. And sure enough, it's, you know, the word incision, anything, the CIS, it's Latin for cutting. So it, it just helped me understand even more what a decision is. It's cutting away. It's letting your yes be yes and your no be no. It's cutting away from anything that is not important. And I don't know that that was a little bit of a rhema for me. Like, oh, wow, that's that kind of explains to me what a decision is because you cut ties with, you know, you isolate uh, yourself and cut ties with anything that is contrary to that. It's just it's a, a, a case in point of how um, knowing about what a word means gives you, you get more out of it, okay? And... Um, when we talk about self-esteem, I want you to know that um, it's really important. Even this week, I'm not, I'm not going to re- show it to you today, but this guy, he um, I honestly don't know that much about his journey. I know that he pastored a huge megachurch. His name's Jim Palmer. I'm friends with him on Facebook, and I, I share a lot of the things that he writes, really incredible stuff. And he posted something this morning. I didn't have time to read the whole thing. I was just scrolling through my feed before we left. And he was talking about, um, and I used to hear this. We, When I was a kid, they would say the definition of joy, J-L-Y, is Jesus first, yourself last, and others in between. We used to sing a song, J-O-Y, J-O-Y, this is what it means. Jesus first, yourself last, and others in between. And it, it sounds good in theory, but he was making a really uh, powerful point about what it does to self-esteem to 
assume that Jesus wants you to put yourself last. And it was kind of, you know, we read something that just, it moves stuff on the inside of you. Because I'd never thought about challenging that. You know, like, I thought, well, that's the right thing. We, I always got to put myself last. And then you start analyzing that, and you think, where did, where did that come from? Where, why, why would I assume that's the right thing to do, that I would be the last consideration in every decision that I make? Now, there's some things, like when it comes to your significant others or your children, that, you know, that you learn... <laughs> If you're if you're selfish in any way, have some kids. <laughs> you will learn how to have to uh, put them first, but you will also unlearn some things. You you feel me? You will learn. You know. You will at a certain point say, "No, I've put you first your whole life, and now you need to live your life, and I'm going to have to put." My needs first now. And some people are afraid to do that. You know, we've been, that's been so permeated into our consciousness. Like, no, you've got to, you've got to deny yourself and take up your cross. All of those things that Jesus said need to be, uh, examined with the, the, the larger context of the things he said. You actually matter. I mean, your happiness matters. Your quality of life matters. Um, your bliss matters. And, you know, there's some things... Um, I don't know if Leslie's watching today, but she called, she texted me yesterday. And said, this is too long to text. Uh, call me when you get a chance. So I called her. She's one of those people in my life that I never have to say hello or goodbye to. We just, <laughs> she just answers the phone and I'm like, what? What did you want to tell me? And it was something, it's personal, but it's something she's, she's, I just want to encourage you to go ahead and make this decision that you're considering. And I said, I understand. I also know in my family, anybody that ever makes this decision, they're really looked down on. Like, this is something, you know, our family's not cool with this. And she said, they're going to criticize you no matter what you do. And I said, you know what? You are exactly right. She said, they're going <laughs> to, whatever you do, you're, you're still not going to do it right for some people. And I thought, here, here. I said, sister, you better prophesy. Your, your daughters will prophesy, say the prophet Joel, in the last days. Come on now. And I said, no, I needed to hear that. You're exactly right. I don't know when this will take place, but whenever it does, I'm going to own this and say, this is what I need to do, and it's the right thing. But, but you know, if you were raised in, in old school church world, you weren't taught that. Um. Look, you could still turn the other cheek. You can still go the extra mile. You can still walk in love with somebody and still honor your own needs. Those things are not mutually exclusive. And sometimes, sometimes people get it twisted. They're like, well, I don't want to be full of pride and I want to be, I, I want to be like Jesus. Listen, Jesus at, at the end of the day fulfilled his own destiny, even though the people closest to him tried to talk him out of it. Remember? 
He says, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and be crucified. And Peter says, we'll never let that happen. And he doesn't say, Peter, let me explain it to you. He goes, get behind me, Satan. In other words, you don't even know what you're talking about. You don't have a dog in this fight. And sometimes you need somebody to kind of give you a reality check. Um, and just, just about, I'm not really teaching on decisions per se, and yet I kind of am. Because if you don't know that you're worthy, you might not cut yourself off from anything that makes you feel less than. And um, I do believe this, that the power of a decision, once you declare something, it's like driving a stake in the ground and the people, the events, the circumstances, everything that's swirling around you will get in line. But if you don't know what you're going to do, you know what people will do for you? They will fill in the blanks. They will tell you what you should do. Because if you say, I don't know what I'm going to do about this, everybody you know has got an opinion about what you should do. And sometimes... <laughs> Someone's just going to throw... She's going to put her church hat on. She's about to run that. You, did you bring your church hat? She's going to need to borrow it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's true and and um once you declare this is what I'm doing then people go oh well I guess I guess that's what they're doing <laughs> but let me tell you opinions and unsolicited advice the 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 atmosphere is pregnant with it the atmosphere is full of it people have Complete confidence they know what you should do. And sometimes when somebody tells you what they think you should do, it, it sort of shows you how little they know you. You know, some people have said things to me. I'm like, that's so not applicable to anything. I mean, thank you for caring. I didn't ask you, but thank you. Uh, but you don't even know what you're talking about. Thanks. Um, so, I'm going to, I've got, uh, Several things I want to show you here, and I'll just talk about each one. The first one, y'all know this Ayanla, Ayanla Van Zant, really cool. Um, what is she? Like I would call her a therapist, a counselor. And she says this: everything that happens to you is a reflection of what you believe about yourself. We cannot outperform our level of self-esteem. Let me read that again. We cannot outperform. Our level of self-esteem. We cannot draw to ourselves more than we think we are worth. Now that's that was worth you hearing today. Because there are things that you might want to do that um, are important enough to you that nobody first of all, should even have an opinion about it other than just to respect your decision. But also, if negative stuff keeps happening to you, I don't want to oversimplify this, but you you might think you you don't deserve any more than that. I'm not saying that's always true, but we we end up getting the love we think we deserve. We We end up 
getting the job we think we deserve. All of these things, I'm telling you, feelings of unworthiness, low self-esteem, nothing cuts you off from manifestation quicker than that. If you think you're not worth it, it doesn't matter. Uh, that's why sometimes when you see another uh, group, another whatever, that you think, why are they making such a big deal about their about their needs because their needs have not been they they haven't been seen and heard and sometimes people have to get a little louder i've i've met people before that i thought why are they making such a big deal about this and they kept saying it long enough to i finally got it like oh okay i i hear you you haven't been heard and seen and validated uh the next thing i want to show you is uh this nathaniel brandon says uh, self-esteem is not a luxury it is a profound spiritual need i'm glad that he used the word spiritual because this is not superficial this isn't some kind of uh, modern psychobabble i'm talking about this is uh, this is deep i i share this with you every christmas but my my favorite christmas song is a holy night and that line that says, um, Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Uh, if your revelation of Jesus makes you feel unworthy, you didn't hear the gospel yet. Um, you look at the, the people that Jesus, it's like, the people he did one-on-ones with, it's like he's nearly intentionally aggravating the status quo. Like he's never talking to the right people, according to, you know, conventional wisdom. And not only is he does he talk to them, he validates them. I know I've talked about the woman who washed his feet with her hair a lot, but let me, for the sake of this point, let me say it again. This woman... Bad reputation. You fill in the blanks however you will. She wore a lot of lipstick and was fun at a party. <laughs> um, we'll put it that way. <laughs> and uh, sort of interrupts this soiree that this um, Pharisee has thrown in Jesus' honor. So you would think if you're trying to curry favor with the religious hierarchy you want you want this night to go well this is the night for your big break and um while you're there this woman shows up first instinct is please don't please don't tell me she's coming over here <laughs> this is not this isn't going to be good for pr you know jesus handlers are like jesus you don't need to be seen talking to the sex worker this isn't going to be good for your uh, this isn't going to be good for your image. Um, we were watching uh, this movie. I was surfing on, I think it was, was it Netflix we were on or Hulu? I don't remember. But I came across this um, uh, movie about Salvador Dali. And Jeff Finholt, who has passed on now, but he... We were friends at one time, and he recorded It's the Anointing, my song, that's how I met him. We had him at church in the now a couple of times. He's portrayed in the movie. It's when he was headlining as the original Jesus and Jesus Christ Superstore on Broadway. 
And um, um, we were watching it last night. And what was my point? What did I just say right before that? There was some point I was going to. Um, yes. And there's a line. Thank you. There's a line in Superstar. You know, the, in the original production, Ben Vereen played um, uh, Judas. And Jeff was a drug addict back then. And one night, there's a scene at the Last Supper where Judas and Jesus are singing back and forth to each other. And uh, uh, Jeff just hauled off and punched Ben Vereen. And, he <laughs> and the crowd went wild. They thought it was part of the... They thought it was part of the thing, and the, they, it wasn't. They they were not good friends. But um, uh, the line when you know in in Superstar, Judas is the protagonist. He's the one who asks. He's the Greek chorus that asks the questions of Jesus. And uh, when Jesus is being tended to by Mary Magdalene. Uh, um, but to let her stroke you, kiss your hair, is hardly in your line. It's not that I object to her profession, but she doesn't fit in well with what we teach and say. It doesn't help us if you're inconsistent. They only need a small excuse to put us all away. So that was Judas saying, you don't need to be seen with this woman. And Jesus is like, who are you to criticize her? Who are you to despise her? Leave her, leave her. Sorry, it's an unfulfilled, unfulfilled wish in my life. I wanted, always wanted to play that part, and I'm too old for it now. But I missed my window of opportunity. But um, although Ted Neely, the guy that was Jeff's understudy, who was in the movie that Norman, Norman Jewison, who died last week, directed, he's like my age at least, and he's traveled with the touring company. Of, I mean, Jesus was supposed to be 33 when he died, and Ted Neely's like in his 60s, but whatevs. Um, <laughs> but the point is, um, you know, Jesus isn't worried about his reputation, and it says the woman washed his feet with her hair. This is a woman who knows how to seduce men and she's doing something that's kind of intimate and it goes on for an extended period of time if you read Luke chapter 7. And finally, the host of the of the event who's trying not to make a scene, he's trying to be dignified, but he thinks in his heart, if this man was really a prophet, he'd know what kind of woman she is. And Jesus not only reads the man's thoughts, he defends the woman and puts her up as the example. He says, I know what she does. I, I, he said, I'm, I'm aware of that. And he said, just for the record, when I came in, nobody, nobody celebrated me like she celebrated me, even though you're, you're judging her motives for whatever. She's done something for me. No, he said, you didn't wash my feet, you, you know, and, and if, if, uh, if, uh, hooker as to come in and do what you should have done, then you don't even need to have an opinion about it. You kind of understand why the Pharisees might have wanted to kill him. He was constantly provoking them and embarrassing them. All the people that mainstream Christians think you should talk down to, Jesus loved them and the only people he was given a hard time were the religious people. If you're super religious, you would be on the wrong end of that. Because he always said the thing 
you think he shouldn't say? Somebody please pray for Jesus. He needs, he clearly needs to get saved. <laughs> um, but my, my point in saying it is self-esteem is, it's profoundly spiritual. And when Jesus, um, you know, if you think about this, the, the woman, the, the, um, King James calls her a harlot. Um, people who have gone into the, uh, sex work industry, you know, they feel bad about themselves. They're, they're not proud of it. You know, they, they, sometimes they, they can't get out of it. I mean, I've ministered to people some, uh, especially when I used to do a lot of street ministry, uh, women who would say, I'd love to get out of this. I don't want to keep doing it, but I don't have an alternative. I don't know. I've, I've got to make money. I don't know what to do. There's no point in yelling at them. They already feel badly about themselves. And for Jesus to publicly, well, for him to even validate a woman, even if it was a, a, a nice, upstanding married lady, you know, women were, women were virtually nameless at this time. And Jesus is, he calls the woman with the issue of blood, he calls her daughter in front of the, uh, Jairus, the, uh, who's head of the Sanhedrin. So he's constantly validating people's self-esteem, people who would not have felt good about themselves. That's why I tell you, if you leave church feeling bad about yourself, you didn't hear the gospel. You didn't, you didn't hear the real Jesus, because the real Jesus will validate you, even though he knows everything about you. You know, I grew up with... Um, Hearing a lot of end time stuff, you know, this is the end of the world. We grew up on the, Beth, you grew up like I did, you know, just on the, the precipice of the rapture. It's funny to me how much the term the rapture is, has gone, gone into the public lexicon now. I hear people on the news talking about it, joking about it all the time. It's like, we, we used to think we were the only ones that knew about that. But, um, for sure, we used to hear he's coming as a thief in the night. I always, always heard that thief in the night stuff. You know, you were raising Kojic. You did. You heard. And I remember years ago, I did, I don't even know how I got this connection, but I spoke, this would have been like in the mid eighties. I spoke at a women's prison and the woman who was there with me to speak to the inmates. Um, she actually grew up in prison. Her mother was in prison. She was born in prison. And her story was just, uh, when she was telling her story, I thought, you ought to make a movie. I mean, this was, this is, she was talking about a life that, uh, I, I never knew a woman could lead a life like she was talking about. And in the, um, um, when she was giving her test, she gave her testimony before I, before I spoke. And she was saying that, um, when she, when her mother got out of prison, um, she said, I was a, a little girl and she said, I'm not even sure my mother knew who my dad was. I mean, that's, that's the life that she lived, but she had a pretty good idea. And she said every night she would lock me in my room and 
one day, one night, she asked, why are you locking me in the room? And she said, I'm afraid your daddy's going to sneak in and try to steal you in the night. Now she said, you would think that would scare a child. But she said, it made me feel, it was, it was my only source of self-esteem. So I would lay there as a little girl and think, I am so wanted that this man's going to break in the house and steal me. She said, it was never a threat. And she said, come to find out, there was nobody coming. Nobody was coming to steal me. That was just something my mo- mother said. But she said it made me feel like I was important, like I mattered. And when she, I remember when she said that, I thought, man, that puts a whole other spin on coming as a thief in the night kind of thing, that you're that desirable. Not that he's trying to get you. People say, I mean, I've read it a lot. I've read it from... I've read it this week from family members online. It was like, you know, you need to be ready. You need to be ready. And I think, what? how do you get any more ready than you are? How do you get any more, any more saved than you are? I mean, we're, I was, uh, Reba and Jeff Ferguson were flying somewhere this week and they, they showed a little clip online and they were saying how many services they had done the last few days. Like, it was like, They've been in church like every night. And I can tell Reba was really tired. She said, we are so saved. <laughs> I got it. Anyway, I've made my point. Let me show you the next one. Um, this is just very, you can hardly see this, but it's very simple. It just says, take care how you speak to yourself because you are listening. Faith comes by hearing, and you hear you more than you hear anybody else. That might not show up on your photos, I don't know. But there's even, a, I think Deepak Chopra has a quote which says, um, be careful what you say because every cell of your body is listening. So every little thing that you say, it's, it's like, this is what people don't understand about the power of words. What, what happens... In, in words, it's, it's not like you say it one time and boom, there, everything changes. It's, it's distilled over a period of time. It's what you say on the regular. It's how you respond just in regular conversation. That's what, that's what create, that, that's what you're gradually speaking into existence. Everything takes time. I don't know that some of you that have had, I don't know if this works with knee replacement, but I've noticed with, or with your, uh, we all of us had so many new parts lately with your rotator cuff. I got a whole new congregation. <laughs> but um, I know with my shoulder, I was under the impression that uh, we'll get this done. I'll wear this sling for a few weeks and then I'm good to go. It doesn't quite work that way. Your recovery takes a while. I mean, I can definitely do things I could not do before, like I couldn't have done that before, and that's great. But yesterday, I said, I don't know what's going on, but uh, and he said, it's the weather. And I said, maybe it is. Maybe I've got a lot of titanium in my shoulder. I don't know. But I'm, where's, where's that Tylenol arthritis I hadn't taken in a while? And I, I thought, you know, some things just take time. You don't just get up out of the off the, you know, out of the surgery room and go, I'm good to go now. Thanks. It's like, it's, everything is gradual. Uh, you will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. 
the the uh, people who came to Jesus uh, to be healed were healed as they went. And it's when Jesus said, where are the other nine? Well, they're still in the process of healing. And um, that's why at least if you know you're moving in that direction, that you eventually will get there. But you also have to be realistic. like Because this is not completely pain-free yet. And yet, last week, I went to pick up a gallon of... Uh, um, almond milk out of the refrigerator and it didn't hurt. And that was the first time I've noticed like, oh wow, that, did, that didn't hurt. So I thought, well, okay, I'm making, I'm making progress. But then I had a couple of days where I'm like, what the heck? I paid money for that not to hurt anymore. Well, it's, it's hurting in a different way now. I know, but I didn't want it to hurt at all. Maybe I should have been more specific. But we're, we're all in the process of creating, you know, even the fact, like, I don't think the Genesis narrative is literal, but the very fact that God, assuming Moses wrote it, he may or may not have, but the fact that God has to create everything in stages, six days, and on the seventh day rest, that to me says nothing is immediate. Everything Everything's just going to take a while, and you know eventually you will get there. You put it in your GPS, and you're like, I'm going from point A to point B. I'm not there yet, but I'm moving in that direction. And that you build momentum that way. You know what it's like when you're like, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. <laughs> I've told you this before so many times. But one year, I, I was running the peach tree. I was running, he's run it with me a bunch of times. This one, this time I was running by myself. And it was, it was the last stretch. I was exhausted. I'm just walking it in. And thousands of other people were walking it in too. And this lady had to have been in her nineties. I mean, there are people who run this thing who were like a hundred years old. You can't believe it. This little old lady walks up. She says, you better not stop. If I can run it in, you can run it in. And I wanted to go, shut up, Grandma. You don't know me. Like, mind your own business, lady. But I thought, well, okay. She, you know, I, <laughs> she was right. I, I ran it in. Uh, but I knew I was going to get there. You have to know that you're, you're going to get there. You know, I, I knew I've never run it that I didn't get the t-shirt. And nobody asked me. Was your time as good as the one of the Kenyans? No, nobody's as fast as the Kenyans. But I got the T-shirt, uh, and you have to know there's. I'm I'm getting there. I'm in recovery mode. I'm moving toward it. All right. Um, next thing, uh, Louise Hay was so great. She transitioned two or three years ago, but. I love all of her stuff. She says, you've been criticizing yourself for years, and it hasn't worked. Try approving of yourself and see what happens. Man, that's the truth. Anybody says, you got to shame people into better behavior. It doesn't work. All you're going to do when you shame somebody, or even when you shame yourself, it's just going to make you feel bad about yourself. It's not going to produce any good results. You have to... Give yourself positive reinforcement, positive affirmations. Uh, I'm, I'm working on a painting right now. Just, it's just that 
quote that says, never say anything about yourself that you don't want to come true. Because everything you say is true in some dimension. And you have to, you have to keep speaking your worlds into existence. You have to stay proactive in your six days. You have to declare the end from the beginning. That's why I keep, I did a couple of teachings about it this week. You know, stop talking about what's happening and start talking about what you want to happen. Because when you keep talking about what's happening, you stay in this, it's like one of the analogies I used earlier this week. It's like being in a low pressure weather pattern. Like you can't break it. You can't get out of it. It just, the rain just stays for days and days and days. And, um, so when you keep, yes, you should be able to feel your stuff and process it. Sometimes you have to feel it to heal it. I completely agree with that. But then you have to start talking about like something as simple as instead of waking up in the morning saying, I do not feel good. Just say this. I need to feel better. You're still communicating, but you're speaking a possibility of something else happening. Because when you just say, I don't, I don't even want to say it again. You say that again, you've sort of trapped yourself into that. Start saying things like, I can't wait till I feel better. I can't wait till this surgery does its whole thing. However long that's going to take. It's going to get there, but it may take a minute. But it's better. Some of you, you know, some of y'all remember in the, in the old church when the gospel choirs would sing, we're, we're not what we're supposed to be. We're not, what is it? We're not who we're supposed to be, but what is that line? I used to hear it in so many gospel songs. Uh, we're not what we used to be. Am I crazy? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> It's something, it's, it's, it's like saying we've come this far by faith. It's like, uh, we're not where we're supposed to be, but we're not where we used to be. Or some, it's some, it's something like that. It's acknowledging, look how far I've come. Because when you, um, when you only focus on how far you've got to go, it can be overwhelming. So, you know, if you're trying to make improvements in your physical body, reward yourself for little victories. You know, if you're trying to lose weight, you get on the scale, you, instead of being disappointed that you didn't lose five, you only lost one and a half, well, at least you lost one and a half. Don't curse that one and a half. Be like, all right, it's better than getting on here and saying, I tell you what, really, especially when you're trying, you're really trying, and you get on and you've gained weight, you're like, what the what? At least give me a pound and a half. Come on. So if you, you know, any little bit of improvement is valid. And then this is, this last thing is similar to this is Dennis Waitley quote. It's not what you are that holds you back. It's what you think you are not. Um, when you are, believe you are worthy, you can walk into the manifestation of your worthiness. Uh, you say, well, Bishop, you don't know some of the stuff I've been through, some of the stuff that I've, has been said to me. You may have to go through all of it and process all of it. 
and then at a certain point realize in your life there are people who are going to love you and there are people that are going to hate you and hardly any of it has anything to do with you. I'm not saying you can't make yourself lovable or improve a relationship, but people are going to think what they're going to think about you. They just are. You know, um, the uh, when I first and I did the first part of this, I was talking about things that are said to us when we're children and that sort of thing. Listen, you can um, love a parent and honor them, and sometimes it gets confusing when you say honor your father and mother, but you can also look at it very honestly and say, you know, this this person who just happened to be a parent of mine said things to me or did things to me that are not acceptable, and I can... I can compartmentalize this. I can say, I'm, I'm gonna, let, I'm gonna forgive you for this for my own sake, but I'm not ever gonna make peace with this. And I'm gonna, you know, here's a thought. You might have had a parent who was racist. You might have had a parent who was homophobic. You might have had a parent who was a legalistic fundamentalist. Um, that's on them. And if you, always absorb a hurt through their paradigm of where they were, you're selling yourself short. You have to, sometimes you just have to realize, sometimes people say really horrible things. Can I tell you something? I, I hope you don't fall out of your seats when I say this. I am called, I've never doubt, doubted that I'm called, I'm anointed, I've never doubted that I'm anointed. Uh, I believe I'm especially when I was a full-time pastor. I'm not sure what I am now. <laughs> I, don't have a, I don't have a word for it now. But uh, I'm a good pastor. Not a perfect pastor. What's that? <laughs> I received that. But um, I can look back at some things that I think, well, I should have handled, I, I, I should have handled that better. So what do you do? Does it mean you're not called? No, it means you were working through your own issues and sometimes you rose to the occasion, sometimes you didn't. And it ne I tell you one thing's for sure, a lot of it's not about, I realized a long time ago, a lot of it's not about me. Because <laughs> especially back in the day, not so much from now, y'all are, are ride or die now. But um, I can remember pulling out of the parking lot thinking, nobody's coming back next Sunday. I man, I I hope you're happy. You're gonna have to look for employment elsewhere because you just went you went all out. And people never even like never even respond to it. Then somebody leave over so they write me some letter and and I think that's what you're li like that was it? There was a way you looked at me one day when you were preaching. I'm like, that's it? After all the controversial things I've said? That's what you're going to leave over? I don't think this is about me. I'm not saying I'm perfect. And, you know, I've tried to own as many things as I, you know, as I can. But I can also look back and now I should, I should have handled that better. What's your excuse? 
But um, none of it, even if you hold yourself accountable for your own behavior, um, none of it should affect your self-esteem, your, your sense of self-worth. It's okay to say, I messed up. I need to own something. If I can make it right, I will. But it doesn't change who I know that I am. If it changes who you think you are, then you've, you've made other people in your life way too powerful. If other, if somebody else's opinion of you can, uh, affect your level of performance, you might need to get that in perspective. Look, we all want to be loved. Everybody wants to be liked. Everybody loves approval. That's perfectly natural, but you can't depend on it. It's like, um, approval is like the icing on the cake. It makes it better, but it's like you, you can, you can eat the cake without the icing if you have to. Do you know what I mean? Uh, you, you, if you think, no, if I don't get one of those flowers on the side of that birthday cake, I'm going to throw that whole thing away. Then you're, you may be missing the bigger point. Uh, and it takes, um, being tried in the fire to even know if you've got that in you. Um, you know, I, I look back now, even, even back in the day when I, you know, was immature on things and, you know, working through my own drama. Um, even then, I, you know, somebody could say something to me or write me a terrible letter or whatever, and I'd still show up, do my thing. It's like it never, it never shut me down. So it must mean on the very deepest level, I know that I know who I am. And, and I think you all do too. I don't think I'm telling you, I think I'm confirming something you already know. Uh, somebody can hurt your feelings. They can misunderstand you. There's any number of things. Again, not about you. This is about their perception. And <laughs> this hasn't happened in a few years, but I remember there was a time, uh, friends should never let anybody call or text drunk and back before back before the back before the uh advent of texting you'd be surprised how many times this would happen three four o'clock in the morning my phone would ring and of course you're like oh my god what is this and it'd be somebody saying master swilly i left your church years ago and i said some stuff about you i I wish you to forgive me. I didn't mean it. And I'd say, look, you're not driving, are you? <laughs> and I'd say, look, I forgive you, but you need to, you need to tell me for sure you're in a safe place. No, I was just sitting there thinking, have you been drinking? No, I haven't been drinking. But I just, I said terrible things about you. You know, you're anointed. I'm like, I know you need to. You need to go lay down somewhere. And then sometimes I'd see them out somewhere and they would never acknowledge it. I think you probably don't even remember. You don't even remember that you called me. I must have been on your speed dial. <laughs> um, but you know what? I, I get it. It, it. One of the good things about aging, if you do it right, what's a better word for aging? 
progressing. Uh, if you do it right, um, you kind of take all that stuff in stride now. You know what I mean? It's like, that's just stuff that people say. And it doesn't even, um, it's just a thing. It's not even a thing, it's a thing. You know what a thing is? A thing is even less than a thing. Like when somebody says, it's nothing but a thing, what that means is that street for this, this isn't even worth you thinking about. You might could think about a thing, but it ain't nothing but a thing. You, you feel me on this? It's just a thing. It's a thing that people say. So, how are we going to end this? Well, I'm going to have you all stand. And that would be now. <laughs> yeah, at some point in the future we're going to stand. No, I mean now. Um, repeat after me. I know who I am. I know who I am. I know where I've been. I know where I've been. I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going. I know in who I have believed. I know in who I have believed. I believe in myself. I believe in myself. I believe in my uniqueness. I believe in my uniqueness. I believe I matter. I believe I matter. I believe my happiness matters. I believe my happiness matters. I believe the world needs me to be here. I believe the world needs me to be here. I am strong. I am strong. I am wise. I am wise. I am blessed. I am blessed. I am peaceful. I am peaceful. I am uh, serene. I am serene. I am uh, qualified. I am qualified. I am motivated. I am motivated. I am exactly where I'm supposed to be on my journey. I am exactly where I'm supposed to be. I don't second guess anything. I don't second guess. I only move forward. I only move forward. I only progress. I only progress. I only go from glory to glory. I only go from glory to glory. My best days are ahead of me. My best days are ahead. And my best days are here. And my best days. The future is now. The future is now. And the future me is already revealed. And the future me is already revealed. I have purpose. I have purpose. I have an anointing. I have an anointing. I have. I am blessed. I am blessed. I have a mission. I have a mission. I have a destiny. I have a destiny. And I fulfill all of it. And I fulfill all of it. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You feel that? Yes. Words are powerful. <laughs> Some of you will not even know what this means, but last night uh, we were watching Saturday Night Live, and Justin Timberlake was the um, musical guest and he has a new song I think it's called Sanctified and old school people would think it's blasphemous because it uses all this uh, all this terminology from church world it's basically saying to a woman you're my savior and you've 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 sanctified me it's like it's all that he uses the term resurrection and the cross and baptism it didn't bother me uh, as he's singing i'm every time he said i'm sanctified and this choir comes in and starts singing it with him i'm like 
there's a lot of energy. I'm like, I'm kind of feeling the Holy Ghost on this. I know this is kind of a, this is kind of a sexy song that I'm sure he's going to be criticized for, but every time he says sanctified, something in me wants to go, oh, <laughs> any of y'all didn't grow up in sanctified church, that meant, that's, uh, that's holy. I'm sanctified. In the church of God, we were saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, but it, I, I thought it's so funny how, words like that will have energy on it some old words from the church world make me feel oppressed but sanctified i was like jesse you're making me feel the holy ghost up in here and i don't think that's what i'm supposed to be feeling you're, you're supposed to be bringing sexy back <laughs> did y'all get anything out of this series yeah Somebody tell me, what you hear? What you hear either today or in this series? Does, does, it, does it need to be talked about? Is it, is it a valid? Um, or have I said it all? Is there nothing else to be added? Beth? I was thinking about a conversation with Adrian a few weeks ago. I'm talking again. Uh, and she was saying, do you think that most people uh, do the best they can with the tools that they currently have? And I had to think about that a minute, and I thought... Yeah, I really do. And it even made me think back on my family and uh, some conflict that I had with my father who was in his life. And I think I, I thought about it over and over. And again, I thought about it today that, yeah, I, I have to him because he, he, did, he was raised in a totally different generation and did not understand where I was coming from. Totally. But he was a good man. He raised me to be a good woman. And I, you know, him and my mother, and I just feel like, okay, I can go on because I know that. I know that now about myself. I, of course, that resonates with me on a deep level. And you can also respect them for what they did. Like, well, that you know, you can honor them without idolizing them. Some people, I think some people think honoring your father and mother means idolizing them, thinking they were perfect. They, they weren't. They were, they were learning just like you're learning. And to be able to look at that and say, yeah, you said some stuff that was messed up and you had some perceptions, but you were a victim of your era. So I'm, you know, I'm just not going to repeat that mistake. That's why with my, with my kids, I'm so verbal with them because I, I wanted my dad to be verbal with me. So I've just, I've just turned it around. To, I mean, I drive them crazy with it. <laughs> I remember when, when Judah was playing softball, everything good he would do, I'd walk over to the dugout, and he would be like, I know, Dad, I know, I'm the man, I'm the man. I'm like, I know, I just wanted to tell you one more time. <laughs> yeah. Somebody else? All right. I'll tell you, it's about our self-esteem. It's, you never, you never, it's not one of them things where you ever get there. Agree. You have to every day make every sure agree. you put every back day. yourself Absolutely. how wonderful and how good and how decent and how holy you are. Mm-hmm. It's something we refill daily or the world has a way to try to beat it up. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. It's like eating every day or bathing every day. You have to constantly uh, replenish yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, you're blessed when you come in and when you go out and you're going to have a beautiful day and you wake up tomorrow saying, this is the day the Lord has enabled me to make. I will rejoice and be glad in it. God, big love for you. Love all y'all at home. Thank you. Oh, I forgot this. Stay where you are. Play that outro.
contributing to Metron. Like you said, oh, they know. Like, no, they don't know. Y'all need to know. I'm using any smartphone. MissionTheNow.com and click the support tab to give there as well. When you contribute to Metron, you're also donating to the charity or organization of the month. Thank you for your investment into Metron. Beautiful. If you have a check, make it to JESM. If you have cash, just pay it forward. All right. Now you may go. I love you so much. Thanks for coming. Peace. You're beautiful. Beautiful.